Praise God and welcome to Genesis 1 Christian Ministries. Before we get into the word, let's open with a prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord God, most awesome and wonderful Lord God, we just praise your most magnificent name, Lord, and we thank you for this opportunity to be able to hear your words today. I pray, Lord, that you would prepare the hearts and minds and spirits of everyone that's listening to this message and let these words come forth, be your words, and let them get sunken deep within our spirit and be able to bubble up when we need them, Lord. I praise you, I love you, Lord, and I ask that you would touch everyone here today in your own special way through this message. These things I pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Well, praise God again and welcome to Genesis 1 Christian Ministries. Uh, if you don't have your Bible, as always, go ahead and grab your Bible or pause this video and then go grab your Bible and come back and join us so you can see the things in the Word of God that we're going to talk about today. So starting right in with Scripture, open in your Bibles to uh, Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. And we're going to start in verse number 15. So that's Matthew chapter 7, verse 15. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You know them by their fruits. Underline that. You know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes and thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. I'm going to read verses 17 and 18 again, and I want you to underline both of these. Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Underline verse 20. Therefore, by your fruits... You will know them. Therefore, by your fruits, you will know them. What I want to talk to you today about is about bearing fruit. Oftentimes, God will bless us in the form of material things, you know, whether it be a car, a house, a bigger bank account, all right, a new job, something that we can tangibly have and show others uh, what we what we have, if you will. And the reason God does that is because those physical and those tangible things that he blesses us with are the outward display to folks to show others that don't know him just how good he is and just how our lives have benefited from following God and, and doing all the things that he wants us to do. And in turn, he's blessing us with things that we can show people because people that don't know the word of God or don't know God don't understand how God is a spirit being and how things operate in the supernatural. And so therefore, he blesses us with these things so that we can show people not to brag to people about God's blessings, but to be able to show people how God has actually blessed us. So that is part of bearing good fruit. But bearing good fruit isn't just connected to or I should say is not connected to how many check boxes we can mark off. I go to church. Check. I read the Bible. Check. I pray, check. I donate to organizations that, that are helping those that are in need, check. Okay, We can mark all of those check boxes all we want, but that doesn't necessarily mean that we're bearing good fruit. Because in order to bear good fruit, we have to have an actual relationship with God. 
We have to believe he is who he says he is. We have to align our lives to be to, to match that of the will of God for our lives. So whatever God wants us to do in our lives and his will, we have to align our lives to meet those things. As we're doing that, then and then we should be bearing good fruit. So it's important that we also spend some time in our lives periodically reflecting on the fruit that we're bearing and reflecting on our relationship with God to see, am I bearing good fruit? What fruit do I have to show for my relationship with God, for my walking with God? Because I should be able to show good fruit. Because as it says in verse 20 there, by, therefore, by their fruits, you will know them. So we're going to look at some areas today where we can bear fruit as children of God. And, and areas that we should be looking back on and saying, am I increasing in this area and am I bearing good fruit in, in these areas to be able to get a good idea of how close we are walking with God and what our relationship with God is like. So what areas are we going to look at? Well, the first one we're going to look at is going to be our property. Turn in your Bibles to Psalms chapter 50. Psalms chapter 50, and we're going to start in verse number one. All right. We're going to look at, at, at property as a way, uh, as an area of us to review, to, of our lives to review for bearing fruit. Psalms chapter 50, verse one. The mighty one, God the Lord, has spoken and called the earth. From the rising of the sun to his going down, out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God will shine forth. Our God shall not come, or excuse me, our God shall come and shall not keep silent. A fire shall devour before him, and it shall be very temptuous all around him. He shall cut, call to the heavens from above and to the earth that he may judge his people. Gather my saints together to me, those who have made a covenant with me, uh, with a covenant with me by sacrifice. Let the heavens declare his righteousness, for God himself is judge, Salah. Hear, O my people, and I will speak. O, o Israel, I will and I will testify against you. I am God, your God. So as I was saying earlier about bearing fruit and, and the relationship that has with God versus us, you know, marking off some check boxes and, and thinking that we're going to bear good fruit that way. One of the questions we have to ask ourselves as we're reflecting on our fruit bearing is whether or not God is really my God. Because if I'm just checking off a bunch of boxes that say I do this, I do that, I do this and this, this and this, and I'm doing all these things, I'm performing works, then that's a good indicator that God might not be my God. Now, what do I mean by that? God might not be my God. God is God, and I know of God, and I read about God in his word, and I hear about God when I go to church, and I pray to God. However, I don't listen for when God is talking back to me during prayer. I don't take time to do that. I don't praise God with all, with all my spirit and dur during a church service or, or whenever I feel the need that I need to do that. I don't listen to what he says to me if he if I can even hear him, hear him talking to me. And I don't actually have a relationship with him. If I'm just reading the Bible and going to church, it doesn't mean that I actually have a relationship with God. So he might be God, but he might not be my God. All right. A good way to think about that is. People that, that, that have been raised by another family member, a family member other than their parents. They have parents, they have a mom and they have a dad. But if the parents were absent in their life and they were raised by somebody else, those parents might not are, are, are not necessarily considered by that individual to be their mom or their dad. 
on paper and biologically speaking, they belong to them as, as you know, as child and parents relationships, but they weren't raised by their parents. And therefore, they don't have that that mom and dad relationship with, with the child. So we have to make sure that we're not treating God as an absent father, where not that God leaves us because he doesn't. But we left him and therefore he is God, but he's not my God because I don't have a relationship with him. So that's something we need to make sure we're checking on. Verse eight. I will not rebuke you for your sacrifices or your burnt offerings, which are continually before me. I will not take a bull from your house, nor goats out of your folds. For every beast of the forest is mine and the cattle on a thousand hills. Underline that for every beast of the forest is mine and the cattle on a thousand and the cattle on a thousand hills. So a few things there. Whenever we're sacrificing to God, okay, whether we're sacrificing our time to him in other words, I'm not going to, or not sacrificing our time, time to him, but sacrificing time from other things to give to God. So instead of, you know, watching a movie on TV or, or watching some TV, instead of doing that, playing video games or whatever my, your hobbies might be and the things you enjoy doing, when I decide to say, I'm going to give up that time that I would dedicate to that, and instead I'm going to go talk to God and have a meeting with him, what God is saying to you is that he's not going to take anything from you. He's not going to leave you lacking and he's not going to leave you wanting for something. All right. If I have, you know, a a certain amount of time that I need to set aside to accomplish a a particular task and God knows that that task is important. What he's saying to you is that if you give him some time. By talking to him and praying to him and seeking him on how to do that task, that he's going to give you plenty of time to accomplish that task. I've shared many times before about a particular project that I was given at the, at, at a, on a very short notice with a very short turnaround time. And after I started developing this plan to give to, 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 to my boss, there was a time there that I was trying to take all the information I had and formulate it into a, a, a well-thought-out plan. And when I was looking at that plan, I just couldn't figure it out at one point. And at one point, God just said to me, don't look at it, get rid of it. Don't look at it, just close it down and go do something else. And when I did that, the next day, which was, there was about four, you know, it was due by the close of business. The beginning of the next day or a few hours into the next day is when God told me, okay, go ahead and open up that plan. And in about 30 minutes, I was able to throw together a plan and give it to my boss. All right. But see what I did there was I sacrificed what I thought what I was doing was I sacrificed my time that I would spend working on that plan to listen to him and to consult him and to do other things that he wanted me to do. And in turn, what did he do? It's not that he he didn't extend the days. Obviously, the day was still a 24 hour day. He didn't extend the day, but he gave me the time that I needed to be able to complete that task. All right. So God is always going to give you what you need. And then some if you if you're willing to sacrifice to him. All right. Um, Sacrificial praise. The Bible talks about, you know, that's praise that that you do when you're not feeling good or or maybe you're feeling down under dumps or maybe you're you're, you're even sick or something. And and when you can bring yourself to just say, all right, I'm going to with every ounce of my being, I'm going to try to praise God right now, regardless of how I'm feeling. When you do that, that is sacrificial praise. And God is going to honor you and bless you for that. Okay. Again, I've mentioned in in previous messages how how there's been times when I've been sick 
All right. And I haven't been feeling well. And I just constantly just just get myself to the point where I can try to praise God to the best that I can with the energy that I have. And during that portion of time, I could feel the energy being being returned to me, if you will. I, I can feel the the literally feel and I, and I and I can't describe it, but I could literally feel the healing that was taking place over my body when I wasn't feeling well. And by the time that I was done, I, I was pretty much back to normal. OK, so when we sacrifice to God again, he always gives back to us and then some verse 10 for every beast of the forest is mine and the cattle on a thousand hills in, in biblical times. They weren't trading with money. So there wasn't payment for things through through money like we do today in modern times. It was all about what wealth and and and, and your ability to to purchase things or, or to gain access to things was based off of your, your your cattle and your land and things like that that you had. And so what God is saying here is that all wealth belongs to me. So in modern times, you want your bank account to grow. You are you you're looking for some sort of financial breakthrough in your life. Understand that that financial breakthrough is owned by God. OK, so don't struggle and, 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 and don't you. We all have to work hard, of course, but don't be struggling and beating your head against the wall, trying to figure out how you're going to make it. That wealth that you're looking for, God has. Now, does that mean that you're going to have an eight or nine figure figure salary? That doesn't necessarily mean that, but you will always have the God will always provide financially for you so that you can obtain the things that you need to obtain no matter what. OK, uh, picking up here in verse 11. I know all the birds of the mountains and the wild beasts of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell you for the world is mine. Underline that for the world is mine and all its fullness. So that scripture there shows us that God is powerful and he is all powerful and everything that's in existence belongs to him. And so when we're thinking about how much fruit we're bearing, like I was saying earlier about that question uh, of do, do, is God really my God? Well, if God is my God, do I believe that he's as powerful as he says he is? Do I believe that when he says the world is mine in all its fullness, do I truly believe that with my spirit? Because if I do, then I should be able to bear good fruit. Verse 13, will I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of goats? Offer to God thanksgiving and pay your vows to the most high. Call on me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. Underline that again or underline that. And I'm going to read it again. Verse 15. Call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. One of the things that we should be doing is, is asking God. How can I use the things that you blessed me with to bless others? Okay, to bless others. Oftentimes we, 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 we think about, oh, how I wish I could give X amount of dollars to this particular organization or give this amount of money to God or, 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 or give this month amount of money here and there and do all these things. But what are you doing with what you actually have? What are you doing to bless others with the things that you actually have versus looking at the things that you want to bless others with? What do I have and how can I use that to bless others? One of the things that I pray every single morning is, God, help me to be a blessing to all those that I come in contact with. OK, and that's my one of my prayers to him in the morning, 
Because regardless of how I interact with somebody, I'm hoping that somehow I can bless them. And and, and by me doing that, um, there'll be ways, uh, as long as I'm following God's direction, people will be blessed in ways that I may never know. And so I always ask God, regardless of that contact, whether it's through an email, a video conference, face to face in person, uh, walking by somebody in, in the store, you know, written communication, whatever it might be, Lord, just just help me to be a blessing to others. All right. You know, last last winter, you know, there, there were the snowstorms and the ice storms that were sweeping across the nation. And and so many people were that, that were without power. We were, were also without power for 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 about a week. And I remember when we lost power, we lost power in the middle of night on one of those days. The first thing I did in the morning was I was I called uh, called up my family and I and I sent some texts to some family members that live close by. And I told them, I said, hey, don't know what you guys are doing today, but we have a wood burning stove. You're without power. We're without power, but we have plenty of firewood and I'm going to go out. I'm going to go get some more. Come on over if you if you want. And you can, we all can just hang out in the living room. We'll start the fire, get the fire going. But at least everyone will be nice and warm. I could have easily just said, you know what? I'm going to take care of my wife and my kids. I'm not going to worry about anybody else. But God blessed us with that wood burning stove in this house that he blessed us with. And that was a way that I felt in my spirit that I can use that to bless others as well. All right. And yeah, they came over and we had a good time to the point where it actually got kind of warm in the house uh, with, with, with all the fire. But that's using what God has blessed me with to bless others. So we should make sure we need to make sure that we're also seeking God out on how to do that as well. Um, so verse 15 again, call on me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. So one of the other things is we're talking about blessing others with the things we have. We should we shouldn't just be looking to bless others when we have plenty. But even if we're lacking, all right, and when I say lacking, I don't mean like you're, you're, you know, um, I don't mean lacking in terms of the way the world thinks of lacking, right, in terms of I don't have the things I want. Lacking would be uh, in, in terms of not having the things that I need. But whatever state that we're in, especially when we're in a state where we feel like we don't have what we need, we still should be asking God, how can I bless somebody else? Because that would be. That, that, that's a way of doing sacrificial giving, if you will, to, to, to others. And by doing that, God is looking at what's in your heart and he'll be able to bless you for that. All right. So that's bearing fruit in terms of property and even our even our finances, as we think of God owning the cattle of a thousand hills. Another area where we can be bearing fruit and we should be checking with God on to make sure that we are bearing fruit in this area is in the knowledge of God. Turn in your Bibles to Genesis 41. Okay. Genesis 41 and we're going to start in verse number 14. Genesis 41 verse 14. Now the preceding scriptures here, I won't get too much into it, um, um, but I would encourage you to read this. Uh, this is the story of Joseph. Um, and at this point, Joseph was already sold by his brothers uh, to, to Egypt to be a slave. Uh, and Joseph was, was was thrown in was thrown in prison for being wrongfully accused of, of something. And while he was in prison, he ended up um, uh, being promoted uh, to be in charge of all the prisoners that were in, were, were in the prison. And Pharaoh was having these dreams that he couldn't quite figure out what they meant. He had some some sorcerers, sorcerers come in and, and people that were into witchcraft trying to interpret the dream. And then there was a butler that told Pharaoh about how he and some other servants had some dreams and that Joseph was able to interpret them for uh, for them. And that everything that Joseph interpreted in the dream actually came to pass. And so Pharaoh here is calling on Joseph. And so that's what we're going to 
That's where we're going to uh, pick up on. Verse 14, Genesis 41, verse 14. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they brought him quickly out of the dungeon, and he shaved, changed his clothing, and came to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have had a dream, I have had a dream, and there is no one who can interpret it. But I have heard it said of you that you can understand a dream to interpret it. So Joseph answered Pharaoh, saying, It is not me. God will give Pharaoh an answer of peace. Then Joseph underlined that God will give Pharaoh an answer of peace. Then Joseph, then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Behold, in my dream I stood in the, on the bank of the river. Suddenly seven cows came up out of the river, fine-looking and fat, and they fed on the met, in the meadow. Then behold, seven other cows came up after them, poor and very ugly and gaunt, such ugliness as I have never seen in all the land of Egypt. The gaunt and ugly, excuse me, the gaunt and ugly cows ate up the first seven, the fat cows. When they had eaten them up, no one would have known that they had eaten them, for they were just as ugly as at the beginning, so I awoke. It's quite the dream there. Also in my dream I saw and uh, also I saw in my dream, and suddenly seven heads came up on one stalk, full and good. Then behold, seven heads withered thin and blighted by the east wind sprang up after them. And the thin heads devoured the seven good heads, so I told this to the magician, but no magicians, but no one was there. Who could explain it to me? Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, the dreams of Pharaoh are one. God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. So I'm going to pause there because we all have dreams. Okay. We all have dreams. Sometimes there might be some dreams that we have and that are are recurring. All right. What we should be doing when we have those dreams is doing exactly what, 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 in essence, what Joseph is telling Pharaoh. And that is, I'm not interpreting your dream. God is showing you something. And so the, the word that I'm going to bring forth is not me, Joseph, it's God giving me a word. And so when we have these dreams, we shouldn't be taking these dreams to another person. We shouldn't be going online trying to figure out how to interpret dreams. We should be taking it to God. And there are some Christians, unfortunately, that, that believe that a man can tell them how to interpret a dream. That if I see a cat in my dream, it means this, that, and the other thing. And therefore, I can put all these images together and say, here's what the dream means. All right. So if you're having some dreams that you're thinking, it's like, you know, I wonder if this means something here. Go to God and take it to God, because through that, he will interpret you and tell you what's going on so you can be better prepared. Therefore, when that starts to happen, your knowledge in God starts to increase. All right. There was a time I was having this recurring dream, sometimes multiple times in the same night. I'd have the dream. The dream would be over. Wake up, you know, get a glass of water or something like that. Go back to sleep. Dream picked up right where it it left off and it constantly goes on. And when I took that to God, and this happened over the course of several days, I put it in my journal. I took it to God and God revealed to me that the enemy was planning a big attack against me. And he did, but I was prepared for it. Why? Because I took it to God, not to man. So if you're having those dreams, take it to God and ask him if there's anything to it, if there's any meaning behind it. And what does it mean? Uh, verse 25 again, then Joseph said to Pharaoh, the dreams of Pharaoh are one. God has shown Pharaoh what he's about to do. The seven good cows are seven years and the seven good heads are seven years. The dreams are one and the seven thin and ugly cows came up after them are seven years and the seven empty heads blighted by the east wind are seven years of famine. This is the thing which I have spoken to Pharaoh. Underline this. God has shown Pharaoh what he's about to do. So there's a warning there that God is trying to give Pharaoh. And that's why he's telling that. And that's what he's telling Pharaoh here. 
Verse 29, indeed, seven years of great plenty will come throughout all the land of Egypt. But after them, seven years of famine will arise and all the plenty will be forgotten in the land of Egypt. And the famine will be depleted, uh, will deplete the land. So the plenty will not be known in the land because of the famine following for it will be very severe. And the dream was repeated to Pharaoh twice because the thing is established by God and God will shortly bring it to pass. So when you think about how you can bear good fruit, how do you respond to repeated dreams that you might be having? Or maybe repeated comments that you're hearing from someone that is like, huh, that was an interesting comment and I'm hearing this from multiple people. Maybe that's confirmation or a message for you. But how you respond to that is evidence of bearing good fruit. If you just dismiss it and think it's actually nothing or, or versus taking it to God and saying, Lord, I'm hearing a common theme here with some comments that are being directed towards me. What am I missing? What do I need to know about this? What should you have me do? What does this mean? That's increasing your knowledge of God. And that's going to lead to bearing to bearing good fruit. Um, what we see here in, in, in the scripture. Actually, let me go on a little bit longer here. Uh, verse 33. Now, therefore, let Pharaoh select a discerning and wise man and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh do this and let him appoint officers over the land to collect one fifth of the produce of the land of Egypt in seven plentiful years. And let them gather all the food of those good years that are coming and store up grain under the authority of Pharaoh and let them keep food in the cities. That then that the food shall be as a reserve for the land for seven years of famine, which shall be in the land of Egypt, that the land may not uh, perish during during the famine. <clears throat> Excuse me. So what we see in, a lot, in, in all of those scriptures there is, is something very interesting. All right. Joseph had this knowledge of God and how he operated. So he, he had the ability to interpret dreams because God would give him the interpretation of the dream. And then he would bring that forth no matter who it was to. In this case, Joseph is talking to Pharaoh, all right? God might be giving you a word, okay? Might be giving you a word about something that's happening in the workplace, okay? He may be telling you about something that's happening in your place of employment. You may be called to go talk to your boss about that thing that's going on. If that happens, make sure, make sure, make sure that you are giving the word that God is telling you to give. Okay, giving the word that God is telling you to give. All right. Don't and don't be surprised if you get called to talk about something that you're not usually that that you're not usually privy to or be 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 asked um, a a question and some and ask for some insight about a particular direction that the, the organization is going, even though you're not involved in it, because other people that have worked with you have spoken about how good you are in the things that you do. And therefore, they're recommending that you be part of this other discussion. When that happens, make sure you're speaking the things of God. Okay. Don't go off giving your own information or your, your own interpretation of what you think is going on. Go consult God. See what God has to say about that. I know it's happened to me different times when I've gotten pulled into projects and meetings and I'm getting emails and, and, and meeting invites for things. I'm like, what is this for? I'm not even sure what this is or why I'm even being pulled into it. And then I found out later on that, oh, it was because of your work on this other project this, you know, this time ago that, that we wanted to pull you into this because we, we, we value the insight. All right. And that's not me bragging, bragging on me. But my, the part that I did was to, to, to do what I needed to do to get the training and, and develop the skills that I needed to do the work. But ultimately, I was seeking God out for Lord. Where do I go next? 
And as I was doing that, and as I was interacting and interfacing with various people, God was giving me words to say. And I would just say those words regardless of what the situation might be. If God says you need to say this, then I would go ahead and, and say it and just know, all right, Lord, you told me to say it and I'm going to leave it in your hands. And whatever happens that happens after that, I know it's, it's, it's me and you and you've got my back. You're not going to put me in a situation uh, where, where it's going to be, be to my detriment. So if you get called to, to, to talk to someone about God, make sure you do that. Uh, verse 37 here. So the advice was good in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of all his servants. And Pharaoh said to his servants, can we find such a one as this man, a man who in whom is the spirit of God? The Pharaoh said to Joseph, inasmuch as God has shown you all this, there is no one as discerning and wise as you. You shall be over my house and all my people shall be ruled according to your word. Only in regard to the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, see, I have sent you over all the land of Egypt. So we see there once again. All right. And if you read previous scriptures on, on Joseph's previous pr promotion, you see he got promoted once again over all the land of Egypt. Why? Because he's increased in his knowledge of God. He knew that 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 God gave him the ability to interpret dreams. And so if someone came to him and said, hey, Joseph, what does this mean? The first thing he did was to say, it's not me that's telling you this, but it's God that's going to tell you what's getting ready to happen. And then on top of that, he then delivered exactly what God told him to deliver. All right. And this led to him being promoted. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring off his hand and put it on Joseph's hand. And he clothed him in garments of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. And he had he had him ride in the second chariot, which he had. And they cried out before him, bow the knee. So he set him over all the land of Egypt. Pharaoh also said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh. And without your consent, no man may let lift his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh called Joseph's name. <clears throat> excuse me. And Pharaoh called Joseph's name uh, Zaphonath Paneah. And gave him a wife, Azanath, the daughter of Potiphar, priest of On. So Joseph went, over, went out over all the land of Egypt. Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh of King. Uh, excuse me, stood before Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went throughout all the land of Egypt. In verse 46 there, we see that you're never too young to be called to do God's will. Okay. So if you think that. There's no way God could call you because you don't have certain experience or you're you're not of the right age in your mind. Understand God is not looking at your age. God is not looking at what skills you have necessarily. If God is calling you to do something, it's because you either have the skill to do it or he's going to develop the skill for you as you go about doing it. Either way, like we saw back in, in, in verse in, um, in, in Matthew there, he's not going to leave you. All right. So when you make that sacrifice to say, all right, Lord, I'm going to step out into the unknown with you because I know that you're going to be with me because I believe you are as powerful as you say you are. and You are my God and I'm going to increase my knowledge in you and develop that deep walk with you. And I'm going to step out here and take this risk. God looks at that and says, yep, you go ahead and do that because I got your back. All right. You're never too young to be called to be called by God. All right. Um, so what does this also tell us about bearing fruit? That in order for us to bear good fruit, we need to be able to take all situations to God. All right. God oftentimes will speak to us in ways that require us to go to him for additional information. So he might plant a little seed about something and may leave you scratching your head like, Lord, what is that? 
Lord, you said this, but I don't even know what that means. And then if you're bearing good fruit, what you're doing is you then go to God and saying, all right, Lord, I don't have the answer. And I don't know what this means. So I'm going to go to you and I'm going to get the answer from you because that develops that deep relationship with him. That then allows God, I should say allow God can do whatever he wants, but that then uh, puts God in a position to where he can trust you and then tell you things before you solicit information from him. All right. And that's the ultimate beautiful thing about having a relation or one of the many ultimate beautiful things about having a deep relationship with God is him talking to you without you asking him to talk to you for him to give you unsolicited advice, just like a family member or friend that you hold up in, in high regard that may give you some unsolicited advice as well. God can do those things, too, if we show him that we're willing to increase in knowledge of him and use that knowledge to, to, to do his will. Not to be doing doing our own thing and being selfish and, and, and self-pride and, and puffing ourselves up, but to be able to do the thing that God wants us to do. The last area we're going to look at where bearing good fruit it c- can be evident is in our employment. All right. We're going to stay here in, Gen- in Genesis um, uh, and, and looking at Joseph. And we're actually going to go to Genesis chapter 45. So we're going to jump ahead a little bit there and we're going to go to Genesis chapter 45. All right. Praise the living God. God is good all the time and all the time. God is good. Genesis chapter 45. And we're going to start in, um, in verse one. Then Joseph could not restrain himself before all those who stood by him. And he cried out, make everyone go out for me. So no one stood with him while Joseph made himself known to his brothers. So remember his brothers before this, his brothers had sold him um, to Egypt to, to, to be a slave. And they didn't know anything uh, about him or, or what may have happened to them. So he's sitting here right now in front of them or they're sitting there in front of him and, and they don't realize it's actually Joseph. And he wept aloud and the, the Egyptians and the house of Pharaoh heard it. Then Joseph said to the, his brothers, I am Joseph. Does my father still live? But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed in his presence. And Joseph said to his brothers, Please come near to me. So they came near. Then he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold in Egypt. But now do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. So when you're thinking about that job that you have, which first of all, having a job is evidence that you're bearing good fruit. All right. That you're bearing some good fruit. But how do you treat people in work at work that have wronged you in the past? If, if, if your boss sets you up over uh, um, over a particular project in which you're in charge and some of the people that you're in charge of are people that have wronged you in the past. Are you willing to forgive them the way Joseph just said right here where he told them not basically don't worry because God sent me before you to take care of you? All right. Verse six. For these two years, the famine has been in the land and there is, are still five years in which there will be neither plowing or harvesting. And God sent me before you to preserve a posterity for you in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now it was not you who sent me here, but God underline that. So now it was not you who sent me here, but God. And he has made me a father to Pharaoh, the Lord of all his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. So one of the ways we can also look at our lives to see if we're bearing good fruit is what do we do when we're, what do we do after we're blessed with something? Okay. Do we take it on ourselves and say, I did that? Or do we give the glory to God? Joseph is saying here, Hey, I'm here because 
God put me here. So don't you worry about what you did to me. God has blessed me and glorified, glorified me, if you will, because I'm in this position because he put me here. All right. So it's not your fault. Don't worry. Don't be upset. Uh, verse number nine. Hurry and go up to my father and say to him, thus says your son, Joseph, God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me and do not tarry. You shall dwell in the land of Goshen and you shall be near to me. You and your children, your children's children, your flocks and your herds and all that you have. There I will provide for you, lest you and your household and all that you have come to poverty. For there are still five years of famine, uh, still five years of famine. So Joseph is telling his his brothers, hey, go tell dad that this is who I am and this is what I'm doing. And if you come to me, I'm going to take care of not just you, dad, but your children and your grandchildren and everyone that's in your household and every all the property that you own. Bring all of that to me here because I'm going to take care of all of you. So, again, look at how Joseph is treating his brothers. All right. That actually sold him to Egypt. And if and if you read even preceding scriptures before this um, and, and looking at Joseph, um, him and uh, his brothers and his father at one point became upset over one of the dreams that Joseph that Joseph had. So still, even there, there, there's some forgiveness going on to his father too to say, you may have been upset about one of the dreams that I had because this dream uh, uh, um, portrayed me in a position of power and authority. And you were upset about that along with my brothers. But I'm not angry with you. I'm not upset with you. All right. So somebody's going around talking about you behind your back or telling you that you're never going to amount to anything or that you'll never promote up in the organization or you'll never accomplish that. When you get to that position and you accomplish that thing and even greater things, how do you then react to that person when you see them? Do you walk them in there all hearty with your chest puffing out and your nose up in the air judging them and saying, huh, look at you, you were wrong? Or are you still the same humbled person that you were before you even got that promotion? Verse 12. And behold, your eyes and the eyes of my brother Benjamin see that it is my mouth that speaks to you. You shall tell my father of all my glory in Egypt and of all that you have seen. And you shall hurry and bring my father down here. Then he fell on his brother's, his brother Benjamin's neck and wept. And Benjamin wept on his neck. Moreover, he kissed all his brothers and wept over them. And after that, his brothers talked with him. Now the reporter, uh, the, now the reporter was heard in Pharaoh's house saying, Joseph's brothers have come. So it pleased Pharaoh and his servants well. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, say to your brothers, do this, load your animals and depart. Go to the land of Canaan and bring your father and your household and come to me. I will give you the best land of Egypt and you will eat the fat of the land. Now are you, now you are commanded to do this. Take carts out of your out of the land of Egypt for your little ones and your wives. Bring your father and come. Also, do not be concerned about your goods for the best of all the land of Egypt is yours. Underline that. Also, do not be concerned about your goods for the best of the all of the land of Egypt is yours. All right. So when you have that ability to bless someone, especially after you've received a major blessing, how do you go about doing that? Do you hold on to all the good things for yourself? Do you take all of the best of the land, if you will, and keep it for yourself? Or do you share that with others that could also benefit from it? A lot of people talk about how, oh, I want to make all this money and I want to have this, that and the other thing. But they never, ever, ever talk about it. At least I've never heard people talk about it and say, oh, yeah, if I had all this money, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to give this amount to God. 
Or I'm going to go bless another person by, 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 by doing this. All right. Or I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. No, it's always about me, me, me. I'm going to go pay off my bills. I'm going to buy this for me. And then whatever I have left, I'll give to, I'll give to someone else. As I was saying earlier, we should be looking at the things that we are blessed with and ask God, how can I use this to bless someone else? In a time of trouble, how can I still bless someone else? Lord, I would love to donate a million dollars to this, to, to, to charity X, but I don't have a million dollars. What should I donate to them, Lord? Do I donate time? Do I donate finances? Is there some other way that I can, that I can help this particular organization as they're doing things that I feel are, are, are good in the sight of your eyes? All right. Those are the things that we really should be looking at as we're looking back and reflecting on the type of fruit that we're bearing. Because as you do those things, then as we saw in previous scriptures, by their fruits, you will know them. So when you do those things as a child of God, other people are going to see that and they're going to know you're a child of God. Or they may not know you're a child of God, but they'll know there's something different from you, about you. And there's something about you that's different than anybody else that tries to do good for others. Because they'll know that it's, it's within your heart and they can feel that. They'll be able to pick that up and they'll be able to see it. And then what you're doing is you're showing God that, Lord, you can trust me with anything that you give me because I'm not going to use it for myself. I'm going to use it to bless others. When Solomon became king, his prayer to God wasn't about riches. His prayer to God was about how can I judge these people? How can I lead these people that you've given me? I don't know how to do this, Lord. I'm a child. I don't know how to go in and I don't know how to come out. So how am I supposed to lead all these people that you've given over me? And what did God say? God said to him that, 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 that because you haven't asked for riches, not only am I going to give you wisdom that no one has ever had and that no one will ever will have after you, but I'm going to give you riches that you didn't even uh, a dream of. Okay. Because that was Solomon saying, Lord, you blessed me with this position of king. I want to do it to glorify you. How do I do that? How am I, how do I become a blessing to others? Again, that's something that we should be, that we should be praying. Other areas where, as we, as we close, as we wind down here, other areas where you can check to see the type of fruit that you're bearing is your reaction to negative news. Okay. And I don't just mean news when you turn on the TV and you see something uh, ridiculous being done or so some some sort of crazy law that's being passed or un- passed or ungodly things that are being uh, ungodly agendas that are being pushed out to our children in the schools. OK. But how do you react if somebody tells you, you know, I don't like that product you did at you, you produced that work, that report you did at you made it work that that was horrible. That was the worst thing I ever read. How do you respond to that? How do you respond to someone calling it, calling up and saying, yeah, sorry, but uh, we're going with somebody else for that job. You didn't get it. All right. How do you react to something negative that happens in your life? Do you continue to dwell on it for days and days and days to the point where you may not even want to get out of bed? Or do you quickly give it to God and say, Lord, help me get through this. Handle this, Lord. Do you tell God that you remember who he is? Or do you ask God to even say, Lord, help, help, help me to remember that you are all, all powerful and that you will always have been there for me and you always will be there for me. How do you react to negative news? You can also look at your prayer life. Okay? Kind of in, 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 in relation um, um, to how you react to negative news. Do you pray to God? All right. And then how are you praying to God? 
Are you constantly treating it like a one-way phone call where you dial his number and he, he picks up and you say, all right, Lord, and da-da-da-da-da, you just keep going on and on and on and then say, okay, thanks for listening, goodbye, and then hang up and he doesn't get an opportunity to talk back to you? Or do you pray and listen? Pray and listen. And then after you're listening, do you actually do? Do you actually do the things that he told you to do that you heard in that prayer? What do you pray to him about? If you lost your pen, you know, your favorite pen that, that, that you have, because, you know, out of all the 20 some odd pens that you have, there's only this one particular one that writes really well. All right. And you lost that pen. You can't find it. Do you take that to God and ask God, Lord, can you help me find this pen? As trivial and silly as that might seem, are you willing to go to him and pray to him for those little trivial things that seem like he, he's too busy to deal with? Which, by the way, God is never too busy to help any of us. All right. He doesn't have a capacity. He doesn't have a limit. He never sleeps. He never slumbers. The word of God says that. Right? Do you spend time praising and worshiping God? Or do you only do it when the opportunity arises in church? We wake up in the morning. Do you pray to him? Do you praise him sometimes throughout the day? Do you just talk to him and just say, Lord, I just want to say hi to you today? You know? I've there's times when I've gone out for walks when 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 we were working in the office and I'd be out walking around and I'm looking at these beautiful cherry blossom trees that we have not too far from my office there and I just look at them and it's a nice sunny day and sometimes I just say Lord I just want to say it's a beautiful day today thank you for this beautiful day okay just something as simple as that why because I want to have that deep relationship with God and I treat him as 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 somebody that I want to have a deep walk with so it's good practice for us to spend time reflecting on the fruit that we are bearing. Because I said earlier, fruit bearing is there is a direct relation to or direct evidence of our relationship with God. And the more and more that we align our lives to be in alignment with God's will, the more good fruit we're going to start to bear. Amen. Well, praise God. As we close this message out, let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord God, I just want to thank you for the words that came forth today and ask, Lord, that these words would bless everyone that has heard them, Lord, and that we would use the words to bless others as well. Reveal to us, reveal to us, Lord, that, you know, whatever it is that we're doing, that to make sure that it's in alignment with your will, Lord, reveal to us the type of fruit that we're bearing so that we can make sure that we are like your, your word says that we are good trees and therefore bearing good fruit, Lord, whatever bad fruit we might be, be bearing. I ask that you would reveal that to us so that we can speedily remove that from our lives. Help us to also seek you out to find out who we may be able to bless with the blessings that you have given us, because ultimately, Lord, we know that by doing that, it will bring them closer to you. It will help them to develop a desire to get to know you, Lord God. I pray that you will bless everyone that has heard this message, Lord, and that you continue to watch over us and you continue to keep us safe, Lord. These things we pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen and amen and amen. Well, praise God if this message was a blessing to you. Think about sharing it with friends, family and loved ones or anyone that might be in opposition to you because it's not God's will for anyone to perish. You can go to our website at Genesis1.sermon.net to find all of our podcasts and all of our video sermons that are up there. And if these messages are blessing to you and blessing you and you feel led to share them with others, go ahead and forward that email to that, that website to, to others. 
You can also click on the subscribe button up there and you'll be notified every single time uh, we post something to that website. Well, praise God. I pray that you all go in his peace and that you go in his blessings and that you continue to do God's will for your life and that you remember that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Praise God.